quick reminder, the host of this show are employees of Mach 1 Financial Group. Guests on the show may be clients of Mach 1 Financial Group and comments should not be taken as an endorsement or testimonial of the firm. Comments are the sole opinion of the speaker and do not reflect the opinion of Mach 1 Financial Group. This podcast is for informational purposes only and nothing said on the show should be taken as investment advice. Employees and clients of Mach 1 Financial Group may maintain positions in the securities or strategies discussed. Hello and welcome to the Mach 1 Market Moment, where we provide financial information on topics such as investing, insurance, financial planning, and everything related to your money. This is Mike Frost, and today on the podcast, we have a very special guest, a personal friend and a pillar of our community to discuss the future of healthcare in Northwest Arkansas. First of all, let's welcome to the podcast, our founder and CEO, David Lee. Hey, Mike. Happy to be here. Excited about having Dr. Goss with us today. Fantastic. Natalie, our producer and marketing director, how's Natalie? Happy to be here. Thank you. We are very excited and honored to have Dr. Steve Goss join us today on the podcast. Dr. Goss is an M, he's the president and Mercy Clinic of Northwest Arkansas Communities, a position he's held since November of 2003. As president, he works with over 255 multi-specialty integrated provider groups at 38 clinics. Amazing to be able to handle all of that. Uh, Dr. Goss was born and reared in Pine Bluff, Arkansas, received his Bachelor of Science degree from Wachita Baptist University, the other OBU, and his medical degree is from the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences in Little Rock, Arkansas, where he's also completed his residency and training in internal medicine and pediatrics. Being board certified in pediatrics and internal medicine, Dr. Goss has practiced medicine since 1983. In 1990, Dr. Goss co-founded the Garrett Goss Clinic here in Bentonville. He has served as the principal investigator of several research studies and has served on medical mission trips to the Philippines, Indonesia post-tsunami, and Haiti post-earthquake. And I'll add this, he's been on several church-related mission trips and actually I got to go with him in 2013 to Mexico. Dr. Goss presently serves as a member of the UAMS Northwest Campus Advisory Board, the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation Board, and is site director of the NWA Internal Medicine Residency Program. He and his wife, Susan, have been married for nearly 42 years. I didn't realize you were that old, Dr. Goss. <laughs> Susan is a licensed professional counselor and licensed marriage and family therapist and the founder and director of Tangible Truth Ministries and the co-founder of the Joshua Center, a faith-based therapy center based out of Northwest Arkansas. Dr. Goss and Susan are very active in the community and in sharing their faith and trust in God, and I can attest to that. In 2016, Dr. Goss was elected to the Executive Committee of the Southern Baptist Convention. Dr. Goss and Susan have two sons, Chad and Jake, two beautiful daughter-in-laws, Ashley and Mariah, and two grandchildren, Adeline and Witt. And I can also say in full disclosure, Dr. Goss is a great friend, and we've served in our church together as deacons. So, Dr. Goss, Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us. Well, thank you, Mike. Uh, a, a couple of clarifications. That is OBU best uh, <laughs> as opposed to OBU West. Uh, and I'm definitely old enough to be married that long, but Susan isn't. She would want me to say <laughs> that. So anyway, now, just, that we've got, now that we've got those things clarified. You just made some serious points at home there. Good job. Okay, Dr. Goss, you, you're over all these clinics here in town. Uh, you obviously have a, a wonderful record here with, in the medical profession. So what what is the future looking like i mean we're all talking about covid we just had a conversation here about masking also just 
just take it off from there. COVID-19, what can you share with us? Well, I don't think anyone's probably unaware that, you know, we're having another spike in cases and, and positivity, uh, you know, here and kind of around the country for that matter. Um, so, you know, we, uh, we see that, we sort of feel that here uh, at Mercy in Northwest Arkansas, you know, um, everyone had to try to shut down and kind of gather up and figure out what they're supposed to do in relation to the pandemic back in March and April, May. Uh, then we've reactivated and that's gone quite well. Uh, then we sort of had our initial surge in July uh, where we had up to about 45 COVID patients in the hospital uh, during that month. Uh, then it kind of dropped down. We got down to less than 10 COVID patients in the hospital there for a while. Uh, but right now we're back up uh, over the last uh, couple of weeks. Now we're back up to around 30, have gotten up to 32. So we're seeing the effect of the new positive uh, or the new higher positivity rate. Uh, and so... Uh, you know, I think a couple of things to re reiterate about COVID is that, uh, number one, for most people, they're going to do okay if they get it. Now, you hear about those that are older and have a lot of chronic illnesses, they're going to fare worse, possibly. Um, but, you know, children are going to do well. Those less than 10 years of age don't tend to get it anyway, and they don't tend to carry it or spread it. Um, that as you get into junior high and high school, that they, they do have a greater likelihood of being able to get infected, but they usually tolerate it well. Now, some people are going to feel horrible if they get it, but, uh, you know, it's not going to um, cause a, a lot of severe d disease. The other thing that we're seeing out of it is that, however, if you get it, it really begins to affect the workforce. So if we have a nurse or two that gets it or a provider that gets it, and now they've got to be quarantined for two weeks, it can have a really big impact on, you know, your business and the work that you're trying to deliver in healthcare for sure, but any business for that matter. So, uh, you know, I think that's something that's becoming more and more apparent because, you know, we're not immune to it as healthcare workers. Although I would tell you that we don't know of any case inside of the hospital, inside of what we call our COVID unit, where any of our healthcare workers have contracted COVID. I mean, that's how uh, responsible uh, they are and how well they're doing at protecting themselves and using PPE properly. And the same way in the emergency room, where you're not, not quite sure who has COVID yet necessarily when they show up. So using the proper protective uh, personal equipment really is protective. And uh, so we're obviously thrilled about that and would want people to know that. And we would want people to know that the hospital and our clinics is still are still a very place, safe place for people to come get care. Don't put off things that you need to take care of, even some of your routine visits, um, because, you know, what we're afraid of, and I think we've seen some, is that we have more people showing up to our facilities and to the hospital sicker than what they would have in the past. I, I tell people there are COVID sequelae to, that people have without even contracting COVID because it affects how we have to handle people. What usually would have been maybe a very routine, what, urinary tract infection and someone had a little fever, it had been easy to get them in, get them a urine test, get them treated. Uh, but now we have to wonder, is that COVID that they have? 
Um, do we want to bring them into the clinic? Do they need to go get tested before they see anyone? And so it delays and it changes everything that we typically used to do. So, um, you know, it, it's having its effect, even if you don't have COVID, obviously. Um, but I would want to reassure the community that uh, our facilities and our hospitals are a safe place. We screen everyone as they come in. Uh, we pay a lot of attention to protection. COVID patients that come in and out of the hospital are sort of, they have their own track inside the hospital of how they come in and how they leave. So you're not sharing even the, the physical spaces with them. Uh, so we've taken, uh, you know, a lot of painstaking measures uh, to make sure everyone's protected in, inside of that. Um, what else might I tell you about COVID? There's tons to talk about. Um, uh, I know we kind of had a conversation about masks. And I would tell you, I can't stress enough the importance of masks and social distancing and hand washing surface cleaning. Um, it, it does make a difference. And um, I think we were talking a little bit, you know, you have N95 masks that if you're fitted properly with them, they fit so tightly that, you know, everything's coming in and out through the mask material. Most people, don't wear those. Um, uh, they do um, in our hospital if they're participating in what we call an aerosolizing procedure. So the COVID mostly is through droplet spread. So those are, you know, bigger droplets. I'm not talking about, you know, big spit coming out, yeah. but I, I'm just talking about little microscopic droplets. Um, that easily are caught in a reg regular sort of mask or a gaiter or whatever else it might be. Um, but if you're in a procedure where the, um, you know, the contents of the mouth and the nose might get aerosolized, then you have to wear a tighter fitting mask because then those are a little bit more airborne. They're easily caught uh, through a mask. But if you're just wearing like say a regular surgical mask or any of the others that you might see people wearing around, that catches those droplets, even if you've got kind of pinched sides where you, you know, there's air that's tending to move in and out, but you know, as you breathe in and out, it's kind of going forward. So it's catching those droplets and there might be some that can kind of escape to the side. But again, you want to make sure you have that mask over your nose and underneath your chin. Um, and so that is protective. And we used to say early on uh, that you know, you're mostly just protecting everyone else by wearing the mask. You're not really protecting yourself because you might entrain air coming around the side or top or underneath the mask, and therefore you might still get it. But I think they're even showing now newer studies that it is protective to you wearing the mask in addition to protecting those others that are around you. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I think, um, you know, I think COVID's gotten really politicized, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, and I've said uh, before that, you know, it's it's not really a political issue. I don't think it's a, a personal liberty issue. It's a public health issue. And I'm not in favor of shutting things down, uh, but I do think people ought to take personal responsibility for, uh, you know, protecting those around them and protecting themselves too. Um, and so the distancing, uh, keeping your hands washed, I think we have more and more people wearing masks, not everyone, uh, and so that's great, uh, but I think we now need to be careful about not forget 
to wash your hands frequently, to sterilize them, to keep services wiped down, because that's another way to spread it. Um, one question that uh, a client asked me, speaking of you know limiting the spread, there's some talk about with Thanksgiving coming up, Christmas holidays coming up, should people be concerned about getting together with their extended families? Can you speak to that? You know, I don't know that you should be concerned about it, but you do need to consider it. Um, you know, and a lot of times we're uh, meeting up with other family members that are older, um, you know, grandparents or aunts and uncles that may be older. There's going to be some risk in that. And, you know, in, in your own sort of close family circle, you kind of know where they've been, who they are, you're with them a lot of the time, but now you start bringing someone from a different town or a different state, you know, you start multiplying the potential risk that's there. Um, you know, I, I don't know that I would ever tell anyone, don't have your Thanksgiving meeting or, you know, getting together at Christmas, but I do think people really need to consider the potential health ramifications of that um, and, and, and take precautions, just take precautions. Um, you know, being together is a wonderful thing, and it's, a, it's an especially wonderful thing during this pandemic uh, because of how we've had to isolate and it's affected so much else that we've done, and, and that human connection is so wonderful, especially within families. But, um, you know, we could still have a good time and wear a mask most of the time. Uh, be careful sitting around a table, and if you can you know, keep your distance a little bit. Maybe everyone doesn't have as big a gathering as they might typically do, so try to keep them a little smaller if possible. Um, so I, I would I would tell people to just be considerate of the fact that we are in the middle of a pandig, pandemic that is surging again, um, and it's got health consequences to, you know, certain in our society. So, Dr. Goss, on that point, so it is surging. That means more people are getting it. So if someone thinks they have it, what 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 – are the steps they should take. Yeah, what we recommend around here, and it might be different by community, is, you know, just reach out you know, to your physician. Uh, you know, don't, don't try to show up at the emergency room or, you know, at the clinic first thing, because we want to be able to screen you. And one of the wonderful things that's come out of this is our ability to provide telemedicine, so virtual visits. Uh, that's really been able to happen. We kind of had all the infrastructure in place but we didn't have, you know, we had regulations, governmental regulations, and then insurance payer issues related to that where it, we really couldn't do it. Those things were lifted, and so we're doing probably 20% of our visits virtually these days. And so we want to be able to screen people first and just assess how they're doing, um, and then we can get them, you know, to, to a test uh, of the appropriate type uh, and then recommend any other particular treatments or other evaluations that they might need, depending on what their symptoms are and kind of what their other conditions may be. So if they, they're, they feel like they might have it or may have been exposed, they contact their physician, mm -hmm. and then from there, they'll be instructed on what to do. They may do a telemedicine. They may be instructed to go get a test right. or, or, or right. follow the instructions. Yeah, we would prefer to have that virtual visit and then direct them to appropriate testing. Okay. There's a lot of testing sites around in Northwest Arkansas, not just Mercy, which is really good because you've got a lot of options that way and a lot of availability. Um, so, uh, you know, number one, think about that I might have COVID 
And so you need to start isolating yourself at that point until you know better if I've got a negative test or it's definitely something different and I'm getting treatment for that. So uh, just be careful. The other point I might make about masks too is that um, it's flu season now also. Yeah. We've not seen much of any flu in Arkansas in general. Uh, I've heard sporadic reports of, yeah, we've had a positive case or two. But I think if we continue to wear our masks, we're going to reduce the transmission of flu also, which is going to be a really confounding issue for us in the medical field if we're trying to figure out, do you have flu or do you have COVID? Um, you know, might you have both somewhere later in the season? We don't know yet. So um, that's another hopeful thing uh, that we see. And I think actually in the Southern Hemisphere, we're in the wintertime, their wintertime is sound of summer and that's when their flu season is. We've seen a reduction in flu, we think, because of the COVID precautions they're taking. And because here, at least here in Bentonville, you know, with masks being mandatory for the kids, the schools are often a vector of a lot of flu spread amongst themselves and then back out to, to their homes and to the community. And so if they're all wearing masks now too, uh, I think that's gonna be helpful. Uh, so that's that's what we'd recommend. I assume you still recommend go ahead and get your flu shot. Absolutely, no better time to do it than this year, you know, <laughs> right. so uh, we want you protected as much as possible. Okay, and we hear about the vaccine, yes. you know, 90% effective, mm -hmm. and we hear the Russians have two vaccines or 70, 80% effective. So what's your thoughts on the vaccine? Yeah, well, we're certainly anxious for one. Um, I think, uh, who is it, Pfizer, that's got the one that I think is closest to coming out, and there's probably several others uh, that will be coming out maybe uh, first part of the year. Um, so we're ramping up, working with the state health department for you know getting an allotment, uh, knowing how to distribute that and who the vaccine will go to. Um, Ninety percent efficacy is quite good. Um, I, I think everyone probably would wonder, okay, but what about any side effects from it? You know, there's always you know the sore arm and the redness and low grade fevers and stuff that you might get from any type of flu vaccine or other vaccines. Uh, so uh, time will tell, but. Yeah, you know, that's another thing I think that's gotten a little politicized is that, uh, you know, they're not going to rush through the scientific steps to take in developing the vaccine. You've got to do it. You've got to show that it's, you know, developing an antibody response inside the body, that that antibody response is going to protect you from the virus. And then they're looking to see if people are having, you know, untoward side effects from it. So, all those things are being monitored and developed like any other vaccine would be. Um, but then I think, uh, you know, the distribution of it, I think, is the thing where government can help us. Uh, and I think there will be probably three phases of the vaccine. The first phase, there will be a limited supply, and those will probably get alloc allocated to the states and probably be used for those that are at highest risk in our communities maybe in uh, nursing home facilities, long-term care facilities, and healthcare workers. Um, and, and then we'll have to wait till phase two and three when there's larger volumes of the vaccine available to uh, start vaccinating more people in the entire community. So we've talked a lot about COVID. I thought I'd sh shift gears here. And, sure. Um, talking about COVID, for me anyway, can be kind of, of a downer. So switching gears and talking about more optimistically looking into the future, can you talk about, you know, what do you see in the future for the healthcare, healthcare here in Northwest Arkansas and specifically with Mercy? Yeah. So um, it's really bright. Um, like most things in Northwest Arkansas, yeah. you know, boy, do we 
we have lots of potential here and we've got lots of great people and we've got resources to be able to do a lot of things. So I think that's uh, definitely been recognized of, uh, about Northwest Arkansas and what all's going on here. Um, I'm not quite sure how much the community knows about this, but the Northwest Arkansas Council has gotten really involved and uh, interested in healthcare and its delivery and graduate medical education um, and had uh, gotten some consultants uh, to do a study maybe three years ago, maybe four now. Um, and what it showed, there's about a billion dollars of healthcare business leaving Northwest Arkansas each year just because we can't provide it here. Mm -hmm. We don't have the specialists or the equipment or the facilities for it. So um, I think they've taken a very focused view of, okay, we're going to look at it not, not only for how do we take better care of Northwest Arkansas healthcare-wise, but also how do we look at it as an economic stimulus to the area too. So um, there, uh, there's a kind of healthcare transformation subcommittee of the Northwest Arkansas Council that's working on uh, primarily how do we bring a full four-year medical school up here and how do we expand residency training programs and then fellowship training programs which is fellowships train the specialists yeah. off of internal medicine or pediatrics or all the other surgical specialties. Um, so that work has been stalled a little bit by COVID um, but is uh, right now about to get cranked back up again. So, um, you know, there's going to there's gonna be a lot of change um, and a lot of growth in healthcare here in, in the area. And one of the primary uh, focuses of that is expanding education, uh, medical education here in the area. Um, and that will be the funnel then for providers and physicians staying here uh, and adding those specialties over time. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's really exciting, I think, uh, what we've got. As far as Mercy is concerned, all three of the health systems up here, Washington Regional, Northwest Mercy, are working collaboratively with the Northwest Arkansas Council on that. Not, not want to go back too much to COVID, but I would, I would congratulate Northwest Arkansas because all three of the health systems have worked together this whole time and, and attacking COVID for Northwest yeah. Arkansas. So it's not like everyone's trying to do their own thing and compete with each other. We work closely with each other, which I think has been a big plus for the area. Um, so, uh, and for Mercy in particular, you know, we, we've had new hospital tower that we built. Uh, and so it's a good thing we did because we filled up, you know, what we have built out to this point already. Uh, we still have a couple of floors that are shelled and uh, and so ready for future growth whenever uh, that's indicated. So uh, we're, we're excited about the future. Great. Well, now, so if I heard you right, you said there's a billion dollars a year leaving the area for health care, which means if we have the specialist, and I'm assuming that's what it is here, then that billion dollars stays here, and that just kind of trickles down throughout the economy. Correct. And we're a finance organization, so we would love that. So I love yes. what you just said. So yes. thank you for that. Yeah. So in education, being part of it, wow. And I think I saw in your bio somewhere about some sort of a program that you have with, I think it was UAMS, to try to um, while they're in school, you're effectively recruiting them to come here. Yes. I think I saw something about that. Do you want to talk yeah, about that? You know, so we're in our, is that our fifth year of our North Northwest Arkansas internal medicine residency training program, which is under the auspices of UAMS, you know, UAMS Northwest has the, has, does have third and fourth year medical students. And we've had uh, family practice, uh, residency training programs up here for quite a number of years. 
uh, but the internal medicine residency training program is relatively new. Um, and so we've got 11, that's a three-year program, and we have 11 residents per year in that program. Um, and so that's been going well. Uh, we grad graduated a couple of classes out of that now. Um, but their primary training site is at Mercy. They do some training at the VA down in Fayetteville and then out in clinics and specialty offices too. Uh, so um, that's another way of us training folks because the statistics show that uh, a, a, a large majority of residents stay within about 50 miles of where they train uh, to practice in the future. So part of the reason for developing all those training programs here is to keep them here. Yeah, keep them here. Well, Dr. Goss, we have quickly run out of time for the podcast. We could talk for another couple hours, I'm sure. So thank you again for taking time out of your day to join us. I just want to do a quick recap for the listeners is COVID-19 is real. You need to wear your mask, you need to wash your hands, you need to have social distance. If you get together at Thanksgiving, Christmas, employ those safety measures. Uh, we are in a spike right now. We want to minimize that. We do have great hospital facilities here, but you just soon not have a bunch of people in the hospital over the holidays. So thank you for that. COVID-19 not only affects the hospitals, but it affects the workforce. Uh, I know when I had it, I was out, out of work for two weeks. Uh, so wear your mask, wash your hands, and social distance. And the future is bright for Northwest Arkansas. I mean, a billion dollars of money that leave in the area that we can bring back in here, that's fantastic. We have first-class facilities. Mercy has brand-new addition to their hospital. they got first-class doctors like Dr. Goss, and by the way, he still practices. And so he's looking to bring more education to town. So, Dr. Goss, thank you again. Thanks, Mike. It was a pleasure being with you all today. Hey, if you have any questions that you'd like to submit to the podcast, Natalie, can you share how they would do that? Yes, I would love to. If you submit a question, you can email podcast at mock-onefinancial.com or you can go to our website at mock-onefinancial.com and there's a podcast tab. You click on the little icon with our podcast logo and it, it'll bring you to a little form to fill out. Thank you, Natalie. Also, Natalie is the producer and the marketing director here. And as I say all the time, she makes us all look good on this podcast. And we like to end each one with a thought of the day. And for today, life is like a camera. Focus on what is important. Capture the good times, develop from the negatives, and if things don't work out, take another shot. Well, that's it for today. We appreciate you listening to the podcast, and we look forward to you joining us next time on the Mach 1 Market Moment. Mach 1 Financial Group, Inc. Mach 1 is an SEC-registered investment advisor located in Bentonville, Arkansas. Mach 1 may only transact business in those states in which it maintains a notice filing or qualifies for an exemption or exclusion from registration requirements. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of the firm by the commission, nor does it indicate that the advisor has attained a particular skill level or ability. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. The information presented is the sole opinion of the speaker and is not meant to be investment advice. Mach 1 does not provide tax or legal advice. You should speak with your tax or legal advisor regarding your specific situation. For full disclosures, please visit www.mach-1financial.com disclosures.